Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Chasing Elephants podcast. My name is Brent Crow, and as always, I'm joined by Jeff Wallace. If life is a journey, we want to help you journey well. If life is a story, we want to help you tell a good one. Hey, friends, Jeff Wallace here, and welcome to another episode of Chasing Elephants. Well, guys, I got to tell you, it's been an incredible summer for Brent and I. Uh, we've had an opportunity to take several thousand students on the NCLU 101 to 401 journey. So for us, our summer has been filled with great content, great sessions. We've been in a lot of airports, a lot of hotels. Uh, we've been in Orlando, San Antonio, Texas. We went to Washington, D.C. I went to Europe and Israel and Jordan. And so it's been an incredible, incredible summer, but we have definitely missed hanging out with you guys. So we thought for this particular episode of our Chasing uh, Elephants podcast, we would do something special for you. We would bring one of our great summer sessions to you. So what you're going to hear today is uh, Brent's Lincoln Legacy session at our SLU 201 session in Washington, D.C. It's a lot of golden nuggets. So if you're driving, get you a napkin. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't, dr don't drive and write, but you want to definitely take notes in your mind if you can and it's going to be an incredible session i'm super excited for you to hear this session entitled the lincoln legacy brent take it away my friend i want to talk to you about abraham lincoln but primarily i want us to extract from abraham lincoln's life some very timeless principles that will in a or inform our thinking on leadership. This is just a basic down the line leadership session. What can we practically learn from one of the greatest leaders who ever led and led through one of the most critical times in our nation's history? I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine even trying to be elected in that time in history? When in the South, there were so many states that wouldn't even put your name on the ballot. And yet he had to somehow figure out how to, how to bring all of this thing called the Civil War to a resolve, how to, how to put together a, a cabinet of people. And by the way, one of the most fascinating things about Lincoln is that he, he filled his cabinet with former opponents. There's been a great book written about that. But he, he, he filled his cabinet with many of them, former opponents. People didn't like him. People who talked down to him at times made fun of him, not after he hired him so much as when they were campaigning and against each other. And so this is a guy who has who who historically made the right decisions at the right time and would and, and made decisions that were very countercultural listen to me were very countercultural to leadership for that age at that age at that in that time you didn't put your enemies in your cabinet you didn't go oh you made fun of me while we were on the campaign trail you're mad. I, listen i won sucker you didn't right Go home and cry in your tea and, and chew your tobacco. You know, he didn't do that. No, no, no. He, he actually said, if you got something to bring to the table, let's get in the room and do it. That was very countercultural for that time. Okay. Oftentimes now, this is not a political statement as far as you should, for right or left. No, it doesn't matter. You see this on the right and the left. When a president gets elected, you can almost bet that there's going to be one or two of the individuals who ran against him or her who he will end up hiring to be in his, his cabinet, to be, to be a part of his administration. So, so that was, that's common now. That was very uncommon then. So Abraham Lincoln 
I'm just saying this from the get-go, it's one of the most unique, amazing, important. If anybody should have a monument in this city, it's Washington and Lincoln. That's the two in my mind that should. And then, of course, if you want to talk about modern history, uh, MLK, is, and that one, I believe, was long overdue. So, but as far as going back, it's, I mean, this is, this guy, I mean, he led through one of the most trying times in our country. Now, I want us to look at something that we probably already know, but, 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 but and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a proclamation, a emancipation proclamation, but it is a proclamation um, <laughs> that, to be quite honest with you, uh, was meant to be a speech as much as anything. And it was said or given, if you look at the dates, you should probably be able to figure this out from history class, right in the middle of the Civil War. So in the middle of the Civil War, Lincoln is uh, 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 trying to convey and point and push and even maybe pull along at times the, the, the nation towards to a better version of itself. He wasn't, he wasn't going, okay, as soon as this war is over, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to make this thing right. No, no, at the, in the, at the height of the war even, we have the Emancipation Proclamation. Ask your history teacher. And, uh, and, it, and it goes like this, that, the, the, the first, that on the first day of January, the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people there whereof uh, shall then be in rebellion against the United States. In other words, if you have slaves and you believe in slavery, you're against who we are. I love the fact, you know, think about what's happening. There's a civil war. And what does he call the country? The United States. Shall, shall be then, thenceforward and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and, and will do not act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any effort they may make for their actual freedom. So we have this Emancipation Proclamation, which is a, a really, it's a vision. I said it's a, it's a, it's a document that was a, that was a speech. Really, it's a vision of a better version of a united country and people. Now, it takes a little while for word when there's a giant war going on. It takes a little while for the word to get everywhere, you know, throughout the people that, that are in the South my people. <laughs> and it takes a little while for word to get through, but there is a moment that is historically recognized and is now a federal holiday. So I want you to see, because the Emancipation Proclamation was made, and then there is this moment a couple of years later, and, and this moment actually happened just about a month and a half after the war ended, in which this, the, the words of this, the content of this, the, 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 the message and the vision of this is being communicated forth. And so we have this, this moment in time, um, um, which is modern day now, called, recognized as Juneteenth, that is recognized. And Juneteenth marks the anniversary of the announcement 
of Ordinance Number Three by Union Army General Governor Gordon Granger on July or June, excuse me, nineteenth, hence Juneteenth, eighteen sixty-five. Remember, the war ended in April, the month before. Okay, proclaiming the freedom. Uh, uh, for enslaved people in Texas. And this is what he said. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation, that vision, remember vision, man, it'll outlast you. Vision, I mean, is, is, is something that should be bigger than just you as an individual. And here's the vision from two, two, some two odd years earlier. The executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection here to their four, excuse me, existing between them becomes that between employer and hired empl and, and, and hired laborer. And so we have this moment that has been recognized by African-Americans uh, for years as Juneteenth and it just recently, now listen to me guys, I know most of us in this room are, are conservatives I could tell by some of the hats that were worn last night. Uh, it's like a campaign stop in part of this room. Um, but you always, you always got to be patient with your government. Even if you're not a big fan of who's sitting in the, in the seat of leadership, you got to pray for them. You got to pray for them. You got to be patient with them. You got to serve. We have a responsibility as Christians, even if we disagree with who that person is. I get frustrated a lot, believe me. In fact, I better, I got to stop looking at social media some days because there's some funny stuff on there I shouldn't be laughing at. But then also, when somebody you may not like that's in power, does something good, don't be the kind of leader that can't celebrate it just because you don't agree with all their polit political positions. And I'm grateful that Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. And it is, listen to me, long overdue. The Emancipation Proclamation is one of the most important documents in the history of our country. And Juneteenth recognizes both that document, that vision, that speech, bring, bring, coming about to everyone hearing it. And of course, it was just that this is the date that has been recognized. Now, there's other dates. There's a lot revolving around history. Well, did people over here here then and there? It doesn't matter. We're just trying to figure out. We got to get a date to celebrate the fact that this thing was abolished in our country. One of the most important historical events in our country. I mean, Lincoln. I mean, can you, can you imagine? So what can we learn from this man? What can we learn from this leader about how to move forward? Now, I've, I've tried to do you a great... <laughs> I've tried to do you a great service. I don't know if it's a great service or not, but I've tried to do you a great service. There ain't no fill in the blanks, all right? Can I get an amen? All right, there's no fill in the blanks, all right? So here we go. I want us to jump right on in. Very quickly, just for a little bit of, just kind of, so you can have a placeholder in your mind in history. Lincoln was born in 1809 in Kentucky to two uneducated farmers, Thomas Lincoln and Nancy Hanks. His, his mama, Nancy, died when he was nine years old. His father remarried Sarah, a lady by the name of Sarah, uh, who has, had three kids of her own. Lincoln would grow very close to her and actually would call her mother for the rest of his life. He did not have a good relationship with his father. In fact, 
they wouldn't even want to, they wouldn't go to, uh, he didn't attend his father's funeral and his father probably wouldn't have attended his funeral. I mean, they were, they were not close. In fact, a lot of historians believe that the way his father treated him informed his view on slavery because there was a rule that you could, if, you were, if, you were, if, if, if you're working for your dad or you're working and you're under your dad's roof, you got to give him everything you earn until a certain age. And Lincoln felt like this was, this was an unfair this was an unfair thing. So as soon as he came of age, he set out on his own. And he and his dad rarely, if ever, rarely spoke for the rest of his life. I mean, they did speak, but it was very rare. So how do we, what do we learn? I want to I give you a handful of principles this morning before we go out and hit the city. Number one, be your own greatest teacher. Be your own greatest teacher. Lincoln is self-taught. He is a, a poster child for taking your education into your own hands. Lincoln's education has been described as a defective education because it only, it only consisted, his formal education, only consisted of brief stints in log house schools that if you were to cobble all of those moments together, he only got about 18 months of formal education. It was a defective education. The rest of what he learned, he had to, he had to teach himself. Lincoln's dad couldn't understand why his son liked to do this. Why his son would, 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 would be so prone to want to read books. And there wasn't a lot of them available in the house, but they were. He wanted to read them. Lincoln would stay up at night and listen to the grown-ups when he was a kid talk. And, and when he couldn't understand something, one scholar wrote uh, that he would, he would go on a hunt to discover that idea. He would go on a hunt until at last he had caught it. I love that, that picture of going on the hunt to understand an idea. Until at last he had caught it. He never saw uh, combat he, made it, he would make a joke. He was a soldier at one point, but he had to lead our country through the most bloody uh, war that we've ever seen, a war against ourselves. But he had to do that having gone through no combat situations. Like he was stationed as a soldier early in his life, and he would joke around with some of the soldiers that he would visit with that the worst battle he ever fought was against us, uh, mosquitoes that came through one night. And, you know, he just kind of made lighthearted about it. And so as a result of that, he, he, the, one of the members of his cabinet said, you could hear at night all throughout the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln pacing up and you could hear him pacing up and down and back and forth and in the floor above him, uh, he could hear Lincoln pacing back and forth, devouring books on the history of war, on strategy, on how, how, how generals think and, 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 and what wins a war and what's the best strategy, how to bring a war to resolution. He was always, from early in his life until late in his life, at the end of his life, he was always, listen to me, he was always on the hunt for a great idea. And you got, some of you have, have been blessed. I've met some of your teachers. Those of you who are here with schools. But some of you are blessed with some amazing teachers. The best teacher 
is not just going to inform you, but rather to equip you to teach yourself. So become your own greatest teacher and never stop learning. Can I, can I just say, there's never a moment where you go, oh yeah, okay, I'm done now. That's good. I'm done. That's it. I don't have to do anything else. No, you, you never stop learning. In fact, when you stop learning, get ready because you're probably going to die soon. I'm being serious. Like you, the people, the people who, who just stop and don't exercise this incredible thing that God has given us called a mind, when you neglect what God has given you, you know, okay, well, if I'm not a good steward of what I got, you know, it's just going to go downhill. So be your own greatest teacher. He was a self-taught lawyer. At one point, he mastered geometry just as a mental exercise. That I will never understand. He never held a position, like we said, in combat, and yet led through one of the most important uh, wars, or bloodiest, I should say, wars that we would ever have. Number two, second thing we learned from Lincoln is that willingness is better than winning sometimes. When he struck out on his own, he went to a little town. Uh, 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 Phillips, in a book called Lincoln on Leadership, writes about this. He got, went to a little town called Salem. And when he went to this town, there was a gang of guys. When I say gang of guys, they were just a, some, some guys that would drink together and horse around together. And there was this gang of guys. And, and, and if you wanted to prove yourself and be a man in that town, you'd have to wrestle one of them. And the one that was the, the, the be, one that was the best is, is, is a guy named Jack Armstrong. He was kind of the leader of the, the, the gang that was called the Clary Grove Boys. And, and we don't know who won the wrestling match. You know, it depends on which, which probably legend you believe. But we do know that Lincoln, this gawky, you know, tall, you know, I mean, he was just as thin as a rail guy, was willing to wrestle Jack Armstrong, as silly as that may sound, and that earned him credibility. So we learn from Lincoln that willingness is better than winning sometimes. Sometimes all you have to do is take the initiative to be taken seriously. Let me say that again. That might be worth writing down. If I want to be taken seriously, I have to be willing to take the initiative. If you are passive, you will rarely, if ever, be seen as a leader. So willingness is better than winning sometimes. I've discovered in my life, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not a person of great talent, to be quite honest with you. The Lord's not giving me a lot of gifts. I, I can run my mouth. That's one. I'm not talking down. Not, I mean, I'm being honest. There's, I, I, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I know that list, and I'm going to spend my life trying to exercise the gifts that God has given me to his glory. But I can tell you this, when people, and I have a lot of people who, who work for me who are fresh out of college or they're in college, and I, I love the fact that I get to work with, with, with people who are younger a lot of times. And, and what, but the, 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 the staff person of any age, watch this, you got to get this, don't miss this. The staff person of any age who gets, <gasps> when something happens and then they just freeze and they don't do anything, I don't know what decision to make, so I won't do anything, right? 
I don't want to make the wrong decision. We don't make any decision. That person is not going to do well in our organization. Initiative will make up for a lot of talent sometimes. Like the willingness to make a decision. I would rather you make a decision and it be the wrong decision than you just to be passive. Because at least if you make a decision, it's the wrong decision. You're learning how to make decisions. When you're passive, you're not learning anything. And so willingness is better than winning sometimes. The next thing we learn uh, uh, from Lincoln is that you want to do something with your life that's worth remembering. When he came to his love life, Lincoln faced disappointment on more than one occasion. His first love, Anne Rutledge, died probably as a result of typhoid fever. He courted and proposed to Mary Owens in May of 1837. She rejected him. And then in 1839, he met a lady by the name of Mary Todd. They fell in love and were engaged in 1840, only to have the engagement break off on New Year's Day, 1841. So that means when the, when the clock struck midnight, she kissed him. He kissed her. And then the next day, she broke up with him. He had a tough love life. After some time, the two patched things up and got engaged again. Finally, were married on November the 4th, 1842. During all of this, he told a friend by the name of Joshua Speed that he would be more, this is Lincoln's quote, he would be more willing to die except that he had done nothing to make any human being remember that he had lived. I want you to understand, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of normal conflict and issues to be determined, you've got to be the type of individual, the type of leader that desires to do something worth remembering. There's a difference between wanting to be known and wanting to do something worth remembering. How do you do something worth remembering with your leadership? You say, through my leadership, I'm going to fulfill something about the desired will of God on this earth. The best way to do something worth remembering is to do something that matters to God. And so, do something. I mean, can, can you imagine? This is one of the greatest leaders ever to live in the world. So, it's important historic leaders. And here he is, like many of us at a certain point in our life, struggling with his down on himself, struggling with anxiety, struggling with all this stuff, struggling with the fact that, I mean, he'd already fell in love, the girl died, he met another girl, didn't work out, met another girl, got engaged, and then she broke up with him. They were engaged and she called it off. And then they patched things up a year and some odd months later. I mean, this guy's heart's gotten broken on multiple occasions. And he's going, ah, it's better off that I just die except for one thing. I haven't done anything that's worth remembering. Like, like it's one thing. I'm, I'm gonna, can I talk to you very personal? This is my last time with you. I'm gonna be very personal with you for a second. And I try to always be, but I'm gonna be very personal. At this stage of life, at this stage of life, I have, I have six kids in an organization that I run. I love my church. I love where I live, all those things. But I have two goals, basically. Two goals. Life goals, not, not kind of intermediate goals. One, I want all my kids to grow up passionately following Jesus. 
I want my kids to be disciples of Jesus. Number one. Number two, I want to help our organization continue to help and equip a generation to think, dream, and lead and somehow figure out what the next stage of evolution is for this organization. And then, but if, 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 if I, my kids love Jesus, I think one day I can go to heaven happy. I'm talking, you go, Brent, you don't normally talk to us like this. This is different. I know, I'm just being honest with you. We know each other by now. Can I be honest with you? Like if, 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 I, grow, if, I, if I grow up, one day I will. Anyways, uh, um, if when they grow up, if when they grow up and they go to heaven or they live for Jesus and then they go to heaven, if they, if I, and they're, and they're loving Jesus, and then, and then maybe somehow by the grace of God, this thing continues to do amazing things that we could have never imagined. I don't care if I live to be. I would rather live a a short life that is full than a long life that is shallow. I think that's the mentality of somebody who wants to do something worth remembering. By the way, Lincoln would live a short life, as we all know. I would rather live a short life that's full, full of fulfilling the desires of God, the desired will of God, than to live a long life that's shallow. Do something worth remembering. Next, and this is just basic, guys, but it is so integral to Lincoln's leadership. Be honest. I want you to write something down for me. Honesty is determined by character, not circumstances. Honesty is determined by character, not circumstances. In other words, you're not honest. You're not honest because the circumstances call for it. No, the circumstances reveal the integrity or lack thereof that already exists. So be honest. And that because you have you have good character, because you're a person of virtue, because you got because you got some stuff about you, as my granddad used to say. Okay? Be honest. Abraham Lincoln, one of, you know, he went to one of the jobs that he had, and I think this is where Abraham Lincoln, his honesty became, was on full display. His integrity was on full display. And that followed him around and, and for the rest of his life in leadership. But, you know, when he was in the 1830s, when he was in New Salem, he went into business with a guy named William Berry. They opened a, a, a general store. It failed. It failed for a couple of reasons. Neither of them were good businessmen. And William Berry was a drunk. And William Berry died as a result of alcoholism. And so, and the store failed. And now there is this big debt. Lincoln would joke about it and say it was his national debt for the rest of his life, he would say. And, 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 but here's, here was the rule of the day. The law of the land was that Lincoln was only responsible to pay back half of the debt. That's all he had to do. 
But he also realized that Barry is dead and his now widow and children are going to live in poverty for the rest of their life if the other half of that debt rests on their shoulders. So what did Lincoln do? He did something that a business person would rarely, if ever, do in that day. He assumed 100% of the debt so that Barry's widow would never have to shoulder that burden. A lot of scholars believe that's where he got his nickname, Honest Abe, from. Can I ask you a question? Years later, when you're running a campaign, years later, when people are out there trying to get to know you, years later, when you're, and it wasn't too many years later that you tried to run his first campaign, but can you, can you imagine if you're, nobody has to come up with that slogan. Nobody, a campaign manager didn't come up with that nickname to make him look good in front of everybody. But if people know you as the guy who's honest, all honest Abe, do you think that that reputation is going to earn you some credibility when you're running for office, when you're making tough decisions? Be honest. Be honest. Honesty, integrity don't just happen. So if you assume them, you're in trouble. They don't just happen. It's something you must pursue. I hate to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, but you're not born a person of great character. <laughs> you're not, we all are. I mean, you know this, right? You don't have to teach a kid to, to act up. You don't have to teach a kid to pitch, pitch you know, attend, what's, the, what's it called? The tantrum? Tantrum, that's it. The pitch, the pitch, the tantrum, do the tantrum thing. Throw a tantrum. I said pitch a tantrum. Don't ever throw a baby. Never throw babies. That's pitch a tantrum. No, don't do that. Throw a tantrum. My bad. Throw a tantrum. Please write that down. Never throw a baby. No, I'm just kidding. So, 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 so anyways, but to throw a tantrum. You don't have to teach that to a kid. We're not born with this character. You got to pursue it. You got to cultivate it in your life. Become a person of great character and you'll become a person. Listen to me, Stu. You're doing so well. Listen, become a person of great character and you will become a person whose reputation says something about you before you ever open your mouth. Next thing we learn from Lincoln is that failure can be the key to a locked door. Failure can be, when the general store failed, he, he was in need of money and he began to write deeds and mortgages and became a postmaster, then a deputy surveyor. The following year, he was elected to the Illinois General Assembly and began studying law. So the failure of the general store, this business that he opened with William Perry, failure actually was a key to an unlocked door. He began to pursue different skills and disciplines and different types of jobs and, and actually would end up becoming very efficient at some of those jobs to the point that he would, as a lawyer, he'd end up trying over 200 cases a year. And by the way, he would lose on purpose sometimes. Not the case but most of it because he could lull his opponent, the other lawyer, into thinking that he had, the, he had it won. He had the trial won. One lawyer said of Lincoln that if there were eight points to be argued, he would lose the first seven on purpose. But if you ever took him for a fool, you'd find yourself on, a back, on your back in a ditch. 
because he was he would lose those seven points on purpose to lure that lawyer into thinking he had it won. And then that lawyer would get lazy with that eight point, which is the last one. Just by the way, it's the last thing somebody's going to hear before they make a decision about the case. And then he would come out of the gate like, like a bat out of hell, and he would rip that lawyer to shreds in that eighth argument. Failure can be the key to an unlocked door. Students, listen to me. I know you're doing so well. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't go through life with some failures, you're not really trying. You're going to have to have some failures under your belt. And by the way, I hope in one sense, I'm not talking about moral failures. I'm not talking about ethical failures. Can I just tell you something? Moral failures and ethical failures are not something you need to get under your belt. I'm talking about good old-fashioned, I tried to do something good and it didn't work out kind of failure. Do you realize that that kind of failure is not sin? Do you think that, he, I, that somebody's sitting in the dream session at SLU 101 this week and they write down that they want to they feed all of the homeless people in their city and then they go and they work at it for years and then, and then they only feed half the homeless people in their city. And then you think that God is in heaven going, you failed. Gosh, you're such a sinner and a loser. You only fed half of them. No. We're going to fail all the time. And we're going to fail again. And we're going to fail again. We need to learn from our failures. If you get to the end of life with no scars, you were never living. And so you better get some failures under your belt. You got to learn from them. I've tried to launch some things at SLU. I look back on it and I go, what in the world was I thinking? I tried to propose some ideas to publishers. I've gotten laughed. I've literally been laughed out of the room before. I still think some of them were good ideas. That's just me, but, you know. You got to get some failures under your belt. Make tough decisions. Please write this down. Don't be afraid of tough assignments. Practice making tough decisions. It's a multiplicity of tough decisions that Abraham Lincoln would make. Certainly when it came to slavery, Lincoln hated slavery. I know a lot of people like to debate that. I I don't think there's much debate there. I think maybe how he was going to pursue the abolition of of slavery and the the emancipation of slaves in our country, that's something to be debated, but he hated slavery. And there was a law, you know, that that we've already said, that they said you had had to give all your money to your family to the age of 21. Uh, Lincoln felt like his dad took advantage of him because most dads at that time did not require that. Um, and so when he left his dad, he was, he was, uh, he was working on one of those river barges where you take goods up and down the river. That was his first exposure to slavery because he saw slaves being taken to the market to be sold. So he left his, he's he's angry at his dad because he feels like it's, it's not a fair way of taking wages. And then he goes out and within a few months of that, he sees slavery for the first time. His hatred for slavery was cemented very early on. When he took office, Lincoln took office, he inherited a country that was literally and truly divided. His, this is what his predecessor, Buchanan, said about, about our country. Think about it. A leader 
A president said this about our country. This is what Abraham Lincoln's predecessor said, that he had given up hope of holding the country together and called himself the last president of the United States. Can you imagine? Like a president of the United States going, it's just so bad out there. By the way, some of that happened under Buchanan's watch. You shouldn't have said I'm the last president of the United States. You should have said I'm a bad president and we need a good one. And he, I'm the last, this is it, that's how bad it is. I mean, so when he took office, he's having to make tough decisions. All throughout his life, he had to make tough decisions. Leaders operate in hand-to-hand combat environments and they learn to lead when nobody else can make sense of the situation. Be willing to do the hard things. The world is is void of leaders who are willing to actually do the hard things and make the tough decisions. They are rare leaders that come and make those tough decisions. You know how you get to make the big tough decisions one day? Everybody look at me. You don't have to write this down. Just like You got to practice making tough decisions now. You just got to practice at it. And the more you practice at it, the better you're going to become. Make tough decisions. Be a patient and focused competitor. Be a patient and a focused competitor. Abraham Lincoln, I, I don't know, I, you know, I've, uh, I enjoyed the, the movie uh, um, that uh, uh, the, simply called Lincoln. Uh, that came out several years ago. It was based on a book, um, A Team of Rivals. Uh, much of it was, not all of it, but much of it was based on the book, Team of Rivals. It was, it was a phenomenal picked movie. It's a phenomenal book. I read it. Phen- I mean, it's a horse tranquilizer. It's like huge, but it's an awesome book. But listen to me. What screams, what you see all throughout Lincoln's life, not just, not just in the Civil War, not just when he was trying to bring this thing to resolution, is you see that he's, he's very patient, but yet at the same time, when there's all of these different arguments, well, we should, I, we can't, we're not, if we were to get rid of slavery, it would break the back of our economy, and it, you know, or, or we should do, or if we should get rid of slavery, we should do it in this way. You had the certain abolitionist groups that were going, man, we got to do this, and there's got to be reparations, and there's got to be with this and that and the other and then there's people going no we should get rid of it but then we should give opportunity and we should get rid of it we should not offer education we should get rid of it we should offer education i mean there were so many different perspectives on how this thing was to play out keep it get rid of it and each side had a multiplicity of opinions within their larger scope of things with all of the arguments swirling around which is true of our age is it not with all of the arguments swirling around you have a patient focused leader we are all prone to distraction your ability to focus will determine your capacity and competency in the leadership journey I I can't say it any plainer than that your ability to focus is going to determine how much you can do your capacity and how well you can do it your competence your ability to focus is going to impact everything. And if you can focus, of course, patience comes along with that. Be a patient, focused competitor and leader. 
The next thing, the last thing I would tell us about Lincoln is let your brilliance be wrapped in tenacity. Let your brilliance be wrapped in tenacity. There were no diplomas on Lincoln's wall, but he was one of the most intelligent men of his day. At one point, he was such a successful lawyer that, that, that he was making as much as the governor of the state. Politically, his cause was human rights, and it was a cause that he would fight for his entire life. And though he lost more than he won, he won when it mattered most. Students, hey, he lost more than he won, but he won when it mattered most. And he took the lead of a country that seemed doomed to split, failing to be united, and yet he saw a way, because leaders see when others can't. The path to unity would be littered with war and more casualties than any alive had witnessed. But he believed in this country, and he believed this country would be united and would, one, would, would be one again, and that that would be accomplished by focusing on one thing. Listen to me. This is so simple, but yet it's so hard. What is right what remember lincoln is in one way now i'm thomas jefferson most intellectual president i think we ever had brilliant man did some amazing things lincoln is cleaning up his mess and the founding father's mess at this moment because he was focused on we're not waiting we're going to do what is right and we're going to do what is right now let me ask you a question. Did Lincoln do something worth remembering? I'll simply offer you one phrase, the United States of America. Remember what Buchanan said? There's no hope. I'm the last president of the United States. The divide is too real. Last thing I'll tell you is this. Make sure, ladies and gentlemen, Everybody sit up in the house real quick. We're done taking notes. Sit up right here. Make sure that as you journey throughout this city, I want you to grab a name. You see a name. You see a monument. You see, you see an artifact in a museum. I want you to grab a name. Grab a leader's name. Grab somebody who did something worth remembering's name. And then after this week is over, I want you to go study who that person was. You can look them up on Wikipedia as a starting point, but just keep that as a starting point. And when you are reading their biographies, look at me, Here, here's how I do historical leadership. When you are reading their biographies, you want to note three things. You want to note common themes. When you're reading biographies about that person's life or stories about that person's life, what are the common themes? What are the big decisions? Number two, and number three, what are the transferable principles, the leadership principles from their life that can be transferable into my life? So, so what were their themes? What is the big theme of their life and their leadership? What were the big decisions that they had to make? And what's transferable? What is true about their life that I can learn from my life? Because experience is not the best teacher. Somebody else's experience is the best teacher. So learn from those who have gone before you. 
I hope that you'll grab a name. There's so many in this city who have done something worth remembering, and most of them don't have monuments. So grab a name and learn about it. Now look at me, and I'm done. I know you're tired. I got you for the 8.30 morning session. I was exhausted myself. I get it. I drank a bunch of whatever I drank before I came down. Bunch of the, I can't, don't know what kind of coffee it was. I just asked for the strongest thing. So, but I want to tell you this as well. And my job, you've heard it at 101, is to get you when you're tired and try to get you to be able to focus. I know who my job is, and I, 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 I give it everything I got. But last night, the fact that you were so tired and you were so focused, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. I'm proud of you. This morning, to be able to start your day being mentally tough, and then some fool stood in front of you and said, hey, man, leave that caffeine alone for a little while, and you're going, but it's my only hope. I mean, you know, so, right? The fact that you were able to be focused through that and to go through a session on historical leadership, because we've got to do at least one session on historical leadership at, D in Washington, at 201, is amazing. And by the way, at 301, we do a lot of historical leadership. But we do it in five and 10 minute segments as we go standing at sites. So if you like that approach to learning, that's what 301 is all about. I want you to hear from me. I'm proud of you. Wander well and shine like stars in the world. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for these amazing men and women. Thank you for their desire to learn, to lean in, to grow, to develop as leaders. Lord, I pray that We've learned a lot from one of the greatest leaders that ever lived, Abraham Lincoln. How he was prepared to lead through Christ, how he led through crisis. What are those enduring principles? But Jesus, most of all, I pray that we would, we would take some of these ideas and put them to practice in our own life. And I ask right now, in the only name I know to pray, the name of Jesus that every one of these students would live with the highways on their hearts, that they would journey well as citizens of heaven. And as they do, they would shine like stars in the world. In Jesus' name, and all of us said together, amen and amen. Well, guys, I hope you know, I'll never lie to you, and I didn't there. That session was incredible. I love the Lincoln Legacy session. And so um, please make sure that if you like this particular episode or any of our previous episodes that we've had here on our Chasing Elephants podcast, you'll do us a few favors. Please subscribe, like, share, or comment um, about our podcast. We love that. Anything positive and get the word out. We absolutely would appreciate that. Also, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you follow us at uh, SLU Lead. That's at SLU Lead on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We want to make sure that we hear from you. And until next time, don't forget, be absolutely amazing and intentional being the best version of yourself. Oh, and don't forget, like I told you before, we're coming back live in a living color September 9th for an all new episode. It's going to be incredible. So please, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you mark your car and come back and hang out with us September 9th for a brand new hot fresh episode of Chasing Elephants. Until next time, peace.